Rough Trade is giving away a third of the first three months of the Rough Trade Club plus new music membership exclusively to 101 Part-Time Jobs listeners. Become a member of Rough Trade Club New Music and you'll receive the Rough Trade Album of the Month straight to your door every month on an exclusive vinyl pressing with bonus material. Club members have received exclusive pressings of albums from Sufjan Stevens, Sprints, The Last Dinner Party, English Teacher and Over Mono, just to name a few, this past year alone. Sign up using the promo code CLUB101POD and you'll get Rough Trade's Album of the Month, Camera Obscura's Look to the East, Look to the West for a third of the usual price. By signing up, you'll be getting Rough Trade's exclusive issue of the album on opaque purple in a gatefold sleeve plus a bonus CD containing five demos. Don't want the album of the month but still want all the benefits? Sign up to the standard tier using Club 101 Pod and you'll still get the first month free. You'll also get free shipping on all orders, 10% off at the bar and on secondhand vinyl in store and exclusive access to sold out Rough Trade events. So don't hang around. Head to roughtrade.com slash club and sign up with the code CLUB101POD. That's CLUB101POD and claim money Money off Rough Trade's album of the month today. This offer is for UK residents only. Do you play in bands? I did for the longest time. And I wish that I knew that DistroKid was a thing. I don't even think it existed back then. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. When you get DistroKid, you can see a DistroKid bank and withdraw your earnings. You get notified when you've earned royalties and you can withdraw via the app. And you can even check your streaming stats on Spotify Spotify and Apple. Get 30% off your first year on DistroKid by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. 30% off for your first year. That's not bad. We know it's a tough world out there. Why don't you make it easier for yourself? And to get 30% off that free year as an artist where you get 100% of your royalties and earnings, go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. All right, stay with me. I'll be right back after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. You are listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs, the podcast where I speak to bands about the different jobs they've done over their years. And I've got Jason Hall from Western Addiction here, who has the job of naming things. He names things for a living. There's a process behind it. There's a whole craft of it. It's a lifestyle. He tells me all about that. He tells me about working at Fat Records, where he started in the late 90s. And he also talks about how his songwriting's changed over the years. Their new record, Frail Bray, is out now on Fat Records. He talks about how recording that with Jack Shirley changed the way that he saw studio time. And we touch on his love of death metal, as well as working at the radio station Live 105 and a teller at a bank. So, this is 101 Part-Time Jobs. If you dig this podcast, if you like this episode, tell your friends, share it on WhatsApp or whatever you've got. Also, review and subscribe. Just get it around, really. The more we get it around, the more guests we can have, and I'm looking forward to doing that. So, cheers for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thanks for your notes and emails saying which episodes you've digged the most. It really is a great thing to hear all these stories from our favourite bands that we otherwise might not have. East London Signature Brew have been brewing music-inspired beers since 2011. If you go onto their website, signaturebrew.co.uk, you can get 10% off all your orders by using the voucher code 101podcast. You can check out the beers they've made with Mastodon, with Idols, with Slaves, and a whole bunch more. They just make some damn good beers. So cheers for listening to the podcast. If you could spread this, if you dig it, again, massively appreciated. Here's Jason Hall from Western Addiction. Go well. Cheers! Good morning. It's eight o'clock where you are. Good morning. Where are you at? I've just been looking at the um, the different time zones in America. And I wonder, somewhere like, I don't know, Louisville or Denver, for example. Denver's a little bit more west into mountain time than central time. But there must be some towns right on the border, right? Yeah, I always wonder how that works. Like if you're you can step over the line and not be late for something or not. I don't know. <laughs> well, my, my partner's sister used to work um, over, it, on, on one of those borders. And I think they, even though they were, like their, te- their technical correct time, they would just go by the one, you know, that everyone else was using, which wasn't officially the time, right? But yeah, yeah. there we go. <laughs> Thanks so much for, for joining me to, to talk with me about this. Uh, you know, being a fan for so long. Oh. Um Nice. And I didn't know that you name things for a living. I do. I have a strange job. So that's all I know is that you name things. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's an odd job. But um, yeah, I name products and services and companies and um, strange technologies that you never would know existed in something that is so minor, but everything needs a name. Uh, it seems even if it's not a brand name, it's just some kind of describing words to, you know, tell somebody what it is. Uh, so yeah. What was the last thing that you named? The last thing that I named that came out in public. Um, well, I name things every single day. A lot of them don't make it to the public just because of, you know, politics within companies, but the last major thing that I named, (laughs) you're going to laugh, um, is for this big, um, uh, video service that
that that launched in the United States, um, I think around the time of the Super Bowl, so February. It's called Quibi. Um, you might have seen the commercials. <laughs> I don't. I maybe I don't think it's got here yet. Don't, I don't think it's got to Britain yet. Maybe not. I think. So what it is, it's it's a short form video service, but. Um, and I know you're probably thinking like, um, well, that's YouTube, you know, why do we need this? Um, but the quality of it is, is this insane, like movie like quality. And it was started by Jeffrey Katzenberg. He's a famous, um, you know, Hollywood producer and Meg Whitman, who was the governor of Cal or ran to be the governor of California. She ran eBay for a while. She ran, um, HP for a while and they launched this service, um, and I didn't, I didn't know how big it was. I mean, I've named lots of things, you know, in the past that made it to the public, but I was at this, at a Super Bowl party, um, you know, for American football. Um, and it was the, the second commercial, which is kind that's kind of an insane thing. It costs a lot of money to place those ads. Right. And people at the party were like, what the hell's a quibby? And I was like, well, I can tell you actually. <laughs> <laughs> and then when we were watching the Oscars, the Academy Awards, uh, it was the, like the first commercial. And then I was thinking, okay, this is kind of a, a huge thing. Um, that's probably one of the biggest things as of late. Presumably you had a, you had a set fee as well. You're not going to be getting any more money if it gets, you know, if it becomes the biggest thing in the world. Yeah, that's something everyone always asks. They're like, did you... First, do you get like a royalty? <laughs> and yeah. second, did you do you get the product? And it neither are true. You you almost you don't even get it. Sometimes I'm just like, could you just please send us the thing so I can feel it, look at it, touch it? Um, yeah. But I don't know. I mean, you know how people are busy and and you're like a blip on their radar. Although the the name of something is what's going to last for, you know, 30, 40, a hundred yeah. years, but people yeah. give it like almost no mind. So what's the process of that then? I mean, do you have an agent? Um, I work for a big branding agency, so I'm, I'm not a freelancer. Um, I work on a global naming team and, and I'm the creative lead of naming. That means um, it's kind of a silly title but I'm in charge of making sure our namers name in the correct way and with the correct philosophy. Um, yeah. And so the, 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 the process of it, do you, do you mean like the specific steps you take when you're doing a project? Yeah. You know, how does the work come in, you know, delegating that work, um, yeah. you know, so um, a company will contact you and they'll have something that they need named. Um, and, and then usually you have a, me, you know, a meeting about it, a briefing about it, and they tell you everything that they need to tell you about it. But there's only a couple questions I need to ask them. And what's actually, what's kind of funny recently is uh, at my company, there's some like radically smart people. There's, you know, like they went to great schools. They have incredible, you know, pedigree of their education. Um, but this weird wave in emotional intelligence is kind of happening. So mm. as a band person, I'm kind of always like feeling things and sensing things and I've always been too like emotional, but that is like a big part of it. Like I have to hear the person when they're telling me about the product. I like to hear what they're saying, what they're wearing, 
how they're behaving. All those things tell me little clues about what they can accept. Um, because one of the hardest parts of being a namer is uh, guessing what somebody's cool, what what somebody thinks is cool. So I always liken it to um, if someone came to you and said, "Hey, write a song for, write a good song for me," and you're like, "Oh my gosh, what is a good song to this person? Does mm. that mean you know uh, yesterday, or does that mean like a song by Bieber? You know what I mean? Like, right, how am I supposed yeah. to guess what you think is awesome?" Um, their language. Yeah. So I have to kind of feel the, the people. And so luckily it's weird how skills kind of work out. Like I never thought I used to work in the music industry at our record label. Um, and, uh, it, I, I was doing all these things and I'm kind of an organized person, but also a little bit spacey and a little bit dreamy. So it's weird how these jobs like find you a little bit. Um, but back to the process, they tell you about it. Um, and then you go away and you make thousands and thousands and thousands of names. And we do it in a certain way to where, um, it's actually my job to make sure our namers don't think like normal people. Like I have to, uh, break their thinking patterns. Um, and I do it for songwriting too. It's actually very helpful in songwriting. It's a science then it's, it's a, it's a, a nuance, you know, between the lines reading psychology. Kind of. I mean, most of the problems that we have are people problems. They're never like creative problems. But I, I approach it the same way that I approach songwriting as well, where it's, um, it is a science. There, There's like, you, you know how there's songwriters who can just pick up a guitar and like play something and that's the song. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. but I kind of, I take a much like more difficult route <laughs> and it involves rigor and there's all these drills I go through and it's, it's ways to land on a name. So for, with Quibi, for example, I mean, I have like 60 to a hundred different ways that I name things and there are all these drills and I just go down through them. And I, <clears throat> I've made this list over the years. A lot of people don't do that. They just go to the thesaurus and they just start going. But I don't do that. I go to the furthest area possible you could go to. And that would mean like if I was going to name something for Quibi, I would not look up video services. I would not look up, um, you know, photography terms. I would look up like mushrooms or types of coyotes or, you know, civil wars throughout history. Like, And then what happens is there's all this language. And you poured it onto the thing that you're naming, and then you have a new idea. Um, and I, right. I, so, so I do approach it in this like really rudimentary. But the hardest part about it is you have to be able to sit in your seat and do it. And a lot of people can't do that. And I used to be really strange about giving away my methods, but my methods don't mean anything. Um, it's it's being able to do it. So all for Quibi, I'll do a hundred different ways to name something. One of the very simple ways to name something is, so Quibi was all about these, these quick bites of information or these quick binging, like looking at video really quickly. And so you take the first two letters of, you know, quick and the first two letters of, of, of binge or bite and you get Quibi. And that sounds like I'm a total bonehead, but it's just like one of the things you have to do. And it's not even like the kind of name I really like, but the client wanted this style of name. And mm. I have to, I have to, it's like a restaurant. I, they can, they can tweak it a little bit, their order. Um, but it's just one of the ways, but 
Um, and I do this with songwriting and I believe it with songwriting as well, because somebody like, like David Bowie wrote 40 songs for black star, right? He didn't, he didn't stop at the first seven songs and put them out. He, he, he wrote 40 and he's the smartest, coolest, most creative person in, you know, the galaxy. And he only put seven of those songs on his record. So you have to kind of make all this stuff and you make all this garbage. And then there's a couple of diamonds in the garbage. When you're talking to people, when you say you speak to, you tell them about Quibi as an example, you know, you use the quick and then you, you use the binge. It's so funny because so many, so many people's jobs and growing up, it was very much like a, a dad culture. You know, nobody's dad would really tell you exactly what they did because it was so boring. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you, you, I'm boring you know? people. <laughs> no, but, but, but it, it's funny because you know, I, I'm throwing a blanket over so many jobs here, but you know, jobs that I've had in offices as well that that sound creative and they sound interesting, but actually they're not. Right. So when you tell someone about something like this and take Quibi, you know, quick and binge, then it's so simple. It's got this magic. It's got this one line of, of lineage that doesn't exist in so many other realms of work that try to be smarter than they are. Yeah, the, the, there are boring times. I, I mean, don't get me wrong when I have to name like a checking account. That's not cool. But mm. you try to make it interesting by looking at all these things. And so I'll give you an example. We had to name this gigantic um, uh, energy company in Denmark. And I had to name, it's really hard to name within other languages because you're, you're trying to guess the nuances of their language and it's almost yeah. impossible. So I'm yeah. looking up all this um, um, basically like higher order Scandinavian language and Icelandic and and, and Danish and Norwegian and all these really cool languages. And I'm looking through these words and every time I hit a really negative word, it was the name of a black metal band. And so I was like, I know this, I know this word, I know this word. And I actually came across, uh, I'm, have you ever heard of that band called Caveller Talk? No. They're like, um, they're from Norway and their name means chokehold. And I didn't know that. And I'm like, oh, that makes perfect sense. Their band's called Chokehold in, you know, in uh, Norwegian. It's like a ubiquitous hardcore band name, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So it, it totally is. It's a total hardcore band name. So I guess what I'm saying about naming is you do get to learn about the weirdest aspects of life that you never thought you would learn about. And so sometimes I'm learning about um, one time I had to go to this, this children's hospital where they solve, um, you know, you know, big cancer problems, um, in the Midwest in America. And I learned all about genomic sequencing. One time I had to name for the Grammys. Um, sometimes you have to name like a microprocessor or there's just all sorts of weird things in the world that you didn't know existed. And I kind of get to know about those. And that's the cool part, I think. Sounds trippy. It's trippy. It's a weird job. Have you have you tripped trying to find some good names? Actually, it's really funny because have you ever seen that show called Silicon Valley? Yes, of course. Yeah, it's so funny and it it's so sad how real that show is because we work with a lot of <laughs> of, of those companies, and so when when the main character goes out in the desert and takes a bunch of drugs and he comes up with the name of his company, Aviato. Um, <laughs> it, you, it can happen like that. I never do that because I don't really believe, 
I don't believe in that for music either. I don't believe like God touches you on the shoulder. Um, mm. I, I believe you have to work at it. Uh, mm-hmm. Me personally, maybe it's just because I'm not that good of a songwriter, but some people can do it magically. But I always think that there's a million ways to write a song. And if you stop at the first thing that you go, that's kind of cool. Then you don't get to the next thing where it's like, that is awesome. Mm, totally. There is, there is a trend of like micro dosing in Silicon Valley though. It happened like a year ago, but it, where people were taking small amounts of like hallucinogens to try to get to good ideas. But it's like, man, if you need to take drugs to get to an idea, maybe there's, there's different ways to get to ideas and I could show them, you know? Right. We're not in the doors here. Yeah. We're not in the doors. We're not naked and doing peyote. (laughs) Sadly. So a search engine optimization must play a big part in it because I mean, the internet's your world, right? Yeah, it used to. There's all these things that come and go. So people would be really flipped out about um, SEO, search engine optimization. Um, It doesn't matter as much anymore because the ways of finding you are so sophisticated. There was a time when people would would say, I have to have the .com of a name, you know? Mm, yeah. And we kept telling them, like, that is not important. They're like, it's important. And they would throw away good names. Um, but now you can have any kind of, you know, top-level domain. It can be .co. It can be, you know, it can be we are, you know, the name of your company, like a, a sentence. Um, .io is a, is a big one in technology. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, it's like those things come and go. So SEO, I don't think it people talk about it as much, but it is still a thing. I've got a friend who started a, a sort of a video editing, sort of outsourcing, you know, worldwide outsourcing edit, video editing service called Video Prawn. And I was like, that oh, sounds sounds crazy why why prawn you know it's kind of it's kind of gross actually it smells like fish when i hear it <laughs> yeah but it <laughs> and sticks in the mind right and, yeah. and 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 i forget exactly his answer but it was i think it was something to do about that the sensation of a prawn you know kind of you can smell it you can touch it you can you can see its kind of texture yeah that is something we go for i go for in names um the same thing in songs where it's like this rich visual image in your mind you're like whoa i can picture that thing that's weird what is that and that's what you mm. want because there are some like you said bowie is has has throughout his career he's he's had those songs where like you know i mean you hear heroes classic and there's that spirit there's that energy that's almost so real and non-existent you know it, it parallel you know it's, it's like I wonder what a diamond dog is like maybe one time a week, you know, like what's a diamond dog, but it sounds so interesting and cool. Like what's that? Yeah. Um, I even put it in in the, in the lyrics of one of our songs um, on our new record. In terms of companies spending a lot of money on these sorts of things, that's, can you see that trend going higher and higher? Yeah. You'd be, you would, you'd, you know, fall out of your chair if you knew how much money they spent on one single little name and sometimes i'm like man you're spending upwards of you know a hundred thousand dollars for a name why can't you do it but then i think like it's not their job to be able to think of these things you know i shouldn't tell them about banking or you know how to put a uh you know the internet together so why would they tell me about naming you know so i do see the value and if you, it seems really expensive, but if you're, if you're thinking about like I made, so if I name something for Google or for X, think of the value of that brand over the next, you know, 40, 
you know, 80 years, it's millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. Um, right. But I'm only, you know, charging you this much. And so people do freak out about the cost, but I'm like, think of, think of what it is, you know, it's going to last right. forever. You mentioned the, that the things that have informed your songwriting. I mean, Frail Bray is the name of your record that just came out in May. And that's, that's a real specific name. You know, that has like a big hot water music vibe to me. You know, it has this kind of, um, you know, intelligence. I don't know, this, this kind of dark intelligence to me. Yeah, I look for words that kind of like fire the mind. And I, and I came across both those words and I put them together because, I mean, like it or not, people love rhymes. They love um, alliteration where there's repeating sounds within a word. You, people might not know all the names of the things, but it's like that's where frail bray sounds good together because you have those two little you know word parts saying that same you know vowel the same way. Yeah, um, it's got a vulnerability I, to it as well. You know, frail. Obviously. Yeah, it does. That's another thing with like creative tension with words. Um, but I do look for words that are the uh, actually where the universe is is not so good about telling me what's a good song. It is good about telling me. <laughs> that's a word so um actually i'll give you a perfect example i was laying in bed um on monday night last night or the night before and we were watching that movie uncle buck have you ever seen that movie yeah 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 yeah. it's so funny r.i.p and when john candy was talking to the principal the principal was describing his niece as being you know kind of a dreamer and not paying attention in school and he called uh his niece a silly heart and I was like, that's an interesting word, silly heart. I've never, I don't know that word. And so I kind of, so I kind of just hear these things and then I pull them out. I write them in my phone, like right away, no matter what I'm doing, I write it down. And then I, then I hold all this stuff. And then when I think of a theme of a song, I place this new word onto that theme and then bam, you got something new. Right. It's that extra dimension, isn't it? It's like putting a wall on it. Yeah. It's like, um, uh, in our uh, our last record is called Tremulous, and we have a song called Honey Creeper. And I had this idea for this song about this creepy guy, and then I I came across all these bird names, and these there's this one bird called a Honey Creeper. I'm like, that is kind of cool and gross. And I thought, ooh, that'd be perfect, you know, for this creepy guy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, just it just fit like in a weird way. So you kind of like you feel the dimensions, and you're right, I do have kind of like. I mean, you you wouldn't look at me and think I'm like, you know, some evil, dark person. But I do like weird, dark stuff. I love black metal. I love death metal. I love monster <laughs> movies. But I'm just packaged in, you know, kind of a square looking person. So I don't really have any. <laughs> no one would ever know. I think um, just when he said silly heart, I remembered where my friend said fuckhead. He called someone a fuckhead. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, yeah, that is yeah. so, that is such a right on. I'm going to use that. I'm like, that, that's perfect. Right. There's words that just kind of pop out. And I try not to be overly intellectual. And I know we get accused of that a lot. A lot. They're like, this person's just trying mm. to pretend like he's smart. And I, I don't think I'm a smart person. I just like how these things sound really interesting to me and my favorite songwriters, whether it's like Greg Graffin or Morrissey or, or David Bowie, like they have all these cool words. I'm like, what is that cool word? And I don't see Greg Graffin as being like, I'm smarter than everyone else. I'm like, he knows some things I don't. And I'm now I'm interested in him and his band. 
That makes me think of like, um, you know, for me, it's uh, Dylan and Simon and Garfunkel both have this quality um, throughout their catalogue where they, the, the language they use in the lyrics will be circling around a topic and it will lead you, it will hyper-focus you into that situation, that topic, without necessarily saying what that situation is. Yeah, and I think that's the magic too, and I'm trying to be better about that, to be less cryptic but more using regular language, but not overt. Because when you're too overt, it's just like, ah, I don't, I think there's some people that really do a magic job of, like you said, Paul Simon is one of my favorite songwriters of all time, but there's people like Tom Petty and Elvis Costello, like they mm. don't say the exact obvious, but I know what they're talking about. You know exactly what they're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? And they don't have to use big words or like esoteric right. nature or knowledge to do that. You know, that's, yeah. what's ma- that's what makes it genius. Yeah. And I'm trying to get there. I'm, I'm not there yet. Like I, I see the kids singing in the audience when we're playing and they don't know what the hell I'm saying. And that's fine because I put all these crazy words together. So on this record, I try to calm down a little bit and have things be a little bit more approachable. And as a lyricist, you know, a, a, you know, more than a decade on from, you know, when, when Western Addiction's first records were coming out, how, how has your approach to it changed? Well, I feel like, I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't want to talk about whether I'm a good songwriter or not, but I, I kind of learned the parts in the process now. But so when we did our first record, Cognicide, I didn't know how to write a song at all. I just, I played a little guitar. I had to be the singer because no one else would. And I just rammed a bunch of parts together and I barked over those parts. And so Mm. then when we got to, you know, we did a couple EPs in between, but we get to tremulous. So I almost have everything together in terms of like um, song structure and, 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 um, and, but melody, vocal melody, which I think is a secret to music. I didn't have a hundred percent of the way. Maybe I was at like, 83%. 83%. But then we worked with Joey Cape from Lagwagon and he's a really good singer. And he's like, mm. he kind of taught me like, try it this way, try it that way, try it this way. And, and we didn't change that much. So, so what I'm getting at is for Freo Bray, our new record, I had everything done. I had all the music, all the melodies. I, I even ran the melodies on every song in like three to five different ways to make sure I had the the one I liked the most and I eliminated yeah. the bad ones before you get in the studio. And, and then if your producer was like, try it this way, it's just like one or two times they tell you that. And our producer was really good. His name is Jack Shirley. He um, has a studio yeah. called Atomic Garden um, in Oakland. He's some, awesome. Some great records are made there. Oh gosh. He said, I, this is the first time I really enjoyed being in the studio because I generally do not like going into the studio. Really? Yeah, some people even love after it. all these years. Well, I'll say that working with Jack changed that, and also with age comes like uh, music's a gift, right? And so mm. don't mess around. This is a good time with you and your friends, and you're lucky, and you're on a record label, and and like just stop complaining, just try and make a good record, and kind of try to like step out of your body and enjoy the process a little bit. And so I was a little bit more cognizant this time. Great. And, and I mean, when you, when you got the result back, did you, did you feel that, did you feel that comfortability in, in what you'd done, you know, come out in the finished 
finished yeah, article. Absolutely. It was a little like hairy in the beginning because the, first of all, talking to Jack on the phone, I was like, he, he wanted us to go away. We've never went, which is record live. Um, and I'm like, no, Jack, no, <laughs> this is crazy. And he's like, can you just trust me on, can we just try it this way? And, and, and then when I met him and saw him and he was talking to me, I, it, it goes back to what I was saying about like emotional intelligence or, um, it's like, I'm sensing these things about him and he's very, he's buttoned up. He's very professional. He loves recording, but he also knows our world like completely like through and through. And so it's kind of cool to find, um, I'm not sure if you have this problem, but being a grown man and being deeply into rock and roll and being kind of a weirdo, it's hard to find man friends. Does that make sense to you? <laughs> I, I, I see that moving for. I mean, all the friends that I have, that I, that I share this love of this type of music, I, I've probably known at this point for, for over a decade, but yeah. I, I see it. I see it because as an older or, or, or a mid range aged person going to a gig it's kind of weird if you go up to someone and be like nice t-shirt yeah whereas when you're <laughs> when you're when you're when you're 16 that's how you make friends yeah yeah uh <laughs> i was in the grocery store like a year ago and i saw this guy he had um he had a dark throne shirt on you know that okay. um, famous black metal band and i just went up to him like hey man <laughs> and i'm dressed you know just like <laughs> And I'm like, have you seen this movie? And it, it's this movie called Until the Light Takes Us. It's like this famous black metal movie. He's like, oh, I love that one. And he's like, you seen it? And I'm like, yep. And I go, have you, try, have you listened to this? And we, it was funny. Like he could instantly sense that he's like, ooh, this is one of my guys. Yeah. And he, <laughs> so, so I felt that with Jack Shirley a little bit. Like he's like, whoa, this guy knows exactly what he's doing. There's no messing around. He starts at 10, he ends at five. There's no partying. There's, I mean, all those things are fun, but I don't want those things when I'm making a record. I want to get the business done and get onto it. And that I felt like a kinship with him. So have you evolved? I mean, obviously you've evolved since the start of Western Addiction, but when you say you worked at the record label, were you working at the record label when, when you, when you'd started the band? Yeah, I worked at our record label, Fat Records for 11 years. Um, and when I started the band, I worked there and, uh, I never intended to get signed to Fat. I didn't even think about that. I just was like seeing bands all the time. And, uh, and I thought, Oh, I want to try this thing. I, I, you know, I'm tired of watching bands. I kind of wanted to do it. Um, mm. And so there was a bunch of people that there that played instruments and I just tried this thing and I wanted to make a seven inch with my, you know, my buddies. And, and then it just kind of took off from there. That's cool. And what, what was the culture like back then? Because I mean, what had the war on errorism come out at that point? Yeah. The, I started to work at fat at, um, in the summer of 1997. Um, wow. and, and I interned right out of college, out of university. Um, and when I started there, it was like a full family. Like we were, we were a functioning team of friends working towards a cause. And some of that is the bravado of youth, you know, like, like we're going to break some bands and, you know, you know, I was, it's, it's what you do when you're young where you're like, this is good. And this is awesome. You got to listen to this. And I don't know now if I would do that, but 
So for example, like when against me was happening to the label, we, I wanted to be like one of those labels, like sub pop or, you know, epitaph or that really broke a band. It was like, we're going to try this. Like these, these, this band has something. There's something about this band that the universe is saying, yes, let's do this. Like, so we were really kind of all in as a family. Um, and I mean, I went on vacations with them. I, I have the best friends of my life. You know, I still talk to the, my late, the label all the time, not even about the band, just about like friendship things or, or we talk about marriage and we talk about gardening and we talk about, you know, rock and roll. Um, it's a yeah. little different now because, you know, people change and get into new things, but they're still my family. Like I can call, I could call Aaron who runs the label at any hour of the night and and she would help me. And talk about emotional intelligence. Surely that kind of culture would inform who you are today and, you know, the job you're working now. It absolutely is. And uh, it, 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 I think about the best things I, or the most interesting things I did in my life. And they were all kind of because of the label. I mean, I went to Hawaii for the first time. And I know that sounds silly, but it's like, I'd never been to Hawaii. You know, I grew up in a really small mountain town and, and, and then I'm going to Hawaii to watch rock and roll. I'm like, this is kind of interesting. And then, uh, I've been to Japan twice. I've, you know, toured Europe and, and I don't know, I'm kind of having this, like, of course, the older you get, you want to be making money and you want to be providing for your family, but you're watching what cap capitalism is doing to the earth. And so all these things have different meaning towards me now. And so I think back on all those things I did with the record label and, and whether it was like driving a motor home to this, you know, to follow the tours around. I'm like, that it was a fun time. And it, am I going to remember that more than I'm going to remember, you know, making a little bit extra money on a bonus. And then you're watching what capitalism is doing to, it's just destroying this earth. And you're seeing like, if a news report is like, Jeff, Jeff Bezos is going to be the first trillionaire. When I see reports like that, I'm like, I don't care. That does not matter to me at all. Mm. Like, and, and so it's this weird, like epiphany of, of your past. And I did uh, so many fun things with the label that I'll never be able to do again. So it was a cool time, time in life. I, I think, I think about this a lot and how, you know, these magical moments that could be taking us on a, um, you know, metaphorical, magical ride, unless we're talking about mushrooms. Um, some things that you can, you don't have to, you know, some things that, you know, you, you, they're, they're right in front of you, but you miss them, you know, like yeah. you, you're, you're looking at something else and you completely miss it. Yeah. My wife tells me that she's like, pay attention, dum dum life is happening. I'm like, oh yeah, you're right. And I actually, I met my wife because of music, because at the same time that I moved here to work at the record label, I also worked at um, the biggest radio station in San Francisco. And amazing. one of my friends there was a friend of hers. And it's like all the things that rock and roll has brought me. Um, you can never expect it, but, but the only thing you can expect from rock and roll is, is the good feeling that it gives you. Like I expect mm. that. I don't expect money. I don't expect fame or any of those things, but it has given me these good feelings and these good experiences. And the best things in life I have are because of music. I think that, um, when, when, you know, when you're a kid, like we're talking about, you know, you spot someone with a t-shirt with a band you like, it's quite easy to a few years later feel a bit stuck in that world or, or you're like, oh, I don't like this anymore. Cause I've been listening to it all this time. And 
I feel like I've got to a point in the last few years where exactly that, if it makes me feel good, I love it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's like, I kind of, you kind of know who you are as you get older. I'm like, I know what I like. Like we, we've, (laughs) since we're under quarantine and we can't go anywhere, we can go to the beach. Um, And so I, I don't, I'm not a beach person, but I, I'm, my family's trying to make me like the beach. And so I'm like, okay, I'm like a goth at the beach almost, you know, I'm like, I, I don't like sand. And so I'm sitting there on the beach and I'm in my chair and I'm in these weird clothes. And then I was just like listening to all these MP3s from, or, you know, um, MP3 uh, songs from, I was, I was basically, I was listening to this new death metal song and I'm on this beautiful beach. I'm like, this, this is pretty good. Like, this is what I like. I'm, I'm out with my family and I'm listening to just the grossest music of all time, but no one can tell. Um, right. And so it's like you find what you like and then and then you go with that. What were you doing at the radio station? Um, well, I was on um, the promotions team. It's they called it street team. It's like when you go I, to a concert and there's kids passing out stickers. And yeah. so you would just go and work in the, their little booth and hand out stickers and talk about the radio station. And I mean, it was, it was fun and wild and it was also scary too. Cause I, I didn't, I'd never lived in a city. So now I'm like driving this van in San Francisco and San Francisco is so hard to drive in. And there's, you know, there's like weirdos trying to get in the van and, and you're at <laughs> big rock shows. Yeah. But I saw so many amazing bands that, again, I would never see um, because I I worked there. The, the first show I've ever worked at was um, there's this place in San Francisco called Union Square. It's like this big, you know, downtown area, just thousands and thousands of people. And it was for Sugar Ray. Do you remember that band? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah. And that dude was just sh- dancing around with his shirt off and his like visor sideways and people were going nuts and i was like this is this is crazy um <laughs> so i saw them i saw um actually charlatans uk played at this like weird um outdoor waterfall thing there i'm like this is kind of weird cool. Cool, cool right and it's like yeah. i just saw a million bands and i would never even see them because of this i you know cuz i would only go to punk and rock shows but it yeah. was yeah so i just handed out stickers for a long time and then you get promoted and they even offered me a slot to be a DJ um, later in life, but um, I was too busy, but yeah, it was pretty cool. I have good friends from doing that as well. Was that work before or after working at Fat Rec? It was at the exact same time. So I had two internships, one at Live 105, one at Fat Records. And I also worked at a bank for re- like a real job oh, wow. for, for money, wow. you know, um, <laughs> like as a teller because um, like a, a bank teller, um, cause when I was in my hometown, there was like one of the only, you know, jobs you could get, uh, um, that wasn't like painting houses or something, which I also did, <laughs> um, mm. or working in a restaurant, which I also did. Um, so yeah, I just had these three jobs and I was like, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew I liked rock and roll. So I'm like, I'll go to the city and try this thing. Um, so yeah, wow. that's how it ended I, up. I often, I often think of people working at the bank, um, what what training they have and yeah that, surprisingly that's not that much it's kind of scary <laughs> looking back i'm like they let me work at a bank but it's it's just like you're working at a cash register like with a, a nicer right. shirt on 
Yeah, I shouldn't belittle bankers, but I just had the job where you're just up front, like going, hi, how are you? Can I cash this check for you? But there's smart people behind me making sure I don't totally mess up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So so tell me about the transition from, from Fat Records to to naming then, to, to working at the agency. Yeah, so this is, this is kind of weird. It's, it's like I'd worked at a label for a long time, and, you know, we I tried our hardest to – to break bands and and I was having like a little bit of disagreements about the way I wanted it to go as well um I mean you know no effects and you know fat mike and he does exactly what he wants and and that is his it's his label and he always had this funny joke where he's like this is how I want the label to go and he would take his hand and he would move it horizontally so you'd like so meaning like no growth no forward movement <laughs> So just like, Christ. <laughs> which is Christ. funny, but that's his deal. It's like, he's like, he, he engineers, um, train wrecks, you know what I mean? Mm. <laughs> and, mm. and, but there is one thing that, although Mike and I are very, very different people, like we almost see eye to eye on nothing. One thing I did take away and I learned from him was he was never afraid to try something, even when people thought it was a bad idea. And I kind of like that. And I do that in the band now where I was like, guys, we're going to try this thing. They're like, that's not how the music works. And that's not, we're never going to, it's not going to work. I'm like, you guys are right, but let's just try this thing. And Mike was really good about that. He's always like, I got this crazy idea. And people are like, oh my gosh. But he's like, just see it through. You know what I mean? And so I like mm. th- that bravado of doing it, but getting back to it. So like I believed in music, like I lived music and I really wanted to break these bands. And I feel like Mike had a bit, a different vision, which is fine. It's his label and it was fun. And, and so I thought after a while, I was like, you know what? I want to have a professional job. And I, that sounds so crazy being an adult, (laughs) you know, it's like, why would you go away? But it was like, you know what? I want to dress up in like professional clothes. I want to, I want to be around people that really want to try hard and make something it was kind of like naive thinking but in a way it all happens for a reason because now i really respect music and i was like that was a fun time um and i love music way more now that i don't work in music (laughs) so it must be a risk for some people working in music because i mean yeah i mean i've had a couple of things working with people in the music industry and 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 a part of you just does want to be like this should be something that's fun you know i'm jealous of my friends who just get to do this for fun and then work their jobs or do whatever, you know? Yeah. You really enjoy it. And, and you're also like, you're dealing with all these crazy flaky people. So, I mean, in the band, I found myself like I'm driving the van, I'm doing the interviews, I'm doing merch, I'm writing the song. So I'm kind of like this person who split right down the middle with like your half mm. dreamer, half organized. And I thought I want, I want to try a different job. And so a lot of music people go into the agency world, whether it's ad agencies or, um, or branding agencies, because there's still a little bit of that, like, um, fun spirit to it. Plus you get to make things if you get the right job. Um, Mm. so I, I interviewed at an, at a branding agency and I didn't even know what branding was. And I, and I didn't know it was about naming. I just got really lucky because they, they hire people from outside worlds because they want them to do naming. It turned out it was the naming agency and it was, it's the most famous naming agency in the world. It's called Lexicon. 
Um, they name like Blackberry and Swiffer and all these insanely huge things wow. you've heard of. Um, and they found out about the band and they were like, do you write the lyrics? So I was like, uh-huh. And they said, do you make up these weird words in here? I said, I do. And so they were like, this is So they had listened to your songs. They, Yeah, because they kind of like, the weird part about the band is that people, it's just like with any band, they love it. They love talking about it. They're so fascinated. If they saw how just ultra crappy it was sometimes, <laughs> it would blow their minds. <laughs> but yeah. people are enamored by it. Like it is, it is like, it's something that comes up in a lot of meetings actually. And, and I have to kind of explain it. And, um, right. Right. So but yeah, in this beginning interview, when they, when they said, you know, they looked at the lyrics, did they look at the lyrics in front of you? Yeah, it was pretty embarrassing. It was like, they, so they got it up on their computer or their phone. Yeah. And they were like showing, I mean, they kind of wanted to see writing samples too. So I had brought a mm. copy of it too, because I was like, what have I written? You know, because I see, a, yeah. a lot of my job is writing too, whether it's, I mean, it's not like a novel or anything, but it's like, you have to be able to communicate clearly um, and have somewhat, you know, nice prose. Uh, mm. Mm. So yeah, they saw these things. And then, so I worked there for a few years and then I, I worked at, a big advertising agency um, called Goodby Silverstein, and that's they're famous for Got Milk um, and a wow. bunch of other ones. Um, and these then, things that you don't even realize that these are phrases that they're just flying around the air or, or constantly. Yeah, and there were rockers there too. I met a couple other guys that had been in bands. Um, this one guy was in that band called The Criminals that worked at Lookout. Look, I mean, that was on Lookout Records, and uh, oh, cool. And then I transferred to this other branding agency because I worked with this friend from you know previous life, but um, and now I'm st- I'm he- I'm here at this agency now. Um, it's called Siegel and Gale, and the 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 person it's named after, the founder, he um, developed the NBA logo, and wow, and wow, he, he does all this thinking around simplicity, and it's actually really helpful in music too. It's like everything has to be as simple as possible. And we do that with our songs where we cut all the bloat out of them because it's like, why, why am I testing the listener's patience? Just give them exactly what they want and get out. And I feel like with songwriting, I think it happens with a lot of young first bands where you're doing things because you think it should be there because everyone, you think everyone else does it. Yeah. And you're like, I mean, there's, there's all sorts of like, there's some good things that happen because you're young. You take all these chances but when you're older, you're like, why is there, you know, a minute, 20 second intro on the song? And the guys in the band are like, get rid of this. And, the, and I'm like, you're right. Get rid of it. And so it's like, bam, right into the song. Like we have a new song on our record called Lurchers. And I've never done a song where it's just like, bam, it starts. Yeah. <laughs> it's usually like some drawn out intro. And I'm like, forget that intro. Just go right into the song and see what happens. Lifetime do that to me so well. You know, I'm like, yeah, we're here. We've arrived. You yeah. Know? It's like instantly. Why not get to the good bones of the song? You know the, right. the parts that mean the most. How have you found releasing a record? I mean, in May, like right now, with everything. Uh, it was a a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> it was we, we didn't have any choice. We kind of tried to hold it back, but once it's in the system, you have to pay money to get it out of the system, and so it was Let's just see. like when you turn your record in something like four months before, and this was, you know, February or March and, and it's, it's like, uh, it's, it's locked in and we're not a big enough band to hold it back. You know, 
I'll say there's positives and there's negatives. The you know the the negatives you you know all those all our shows are canceled. We're going to play with Bad Religion. We're going to play with Propaganda. We're going to tour um, all these big festivals in Europe. Those are all gone, um, except for maybe next year. The good thing is you have a lot of time to like think and work on the band. And um, I, mm-hmm. I mean, so the response to the record has been crazy. Actually, this I, I've done like you know fifty to seventy interviews. It's pretty cool. Wow. Like. Like, um, I've done so many interviews, more than any record ever, and most of the reviews have been pretty flattering. You know, it's kind of cool. So so there is that aspect of people having more time. But, I, I mean, I know different countries go through different waves of what's happening. But right now in America, it's still bad. So it's like there was this, like, lull, and then now there's this super lull. And now people are just like, what are we going to do? Like, our our leadership is just completely blowing it and we're going to be stuck in this thing um for months and months and months and so i think people are so frustrated that you notice a lot of music doesn't come out right now and mm-hmm. people are holding their records because i listen to a lot of music like a lot because of my job i'm able to hear it every day and so there's just like this mega lull and like somebody will put something out once in a while but it's just not grabbing the other side of of like watching our leaders make awful decisions is you do turn your back on them and and you you take stock of yourself and for for people who love music you're you're opening your ears you know and i wonder i mean that must have been a good thing for western addiction for you for for frail bray because it is like oh cool i've got time now you know i'm taking stock of my life you know maybe i i'm in a situation in life that i want to change and then you have these soundtracks to go with that which I mean, the records that mean the most to me is when, you know, you're going through a uh, unprecedented time. And I, and I wonder if Frail Bray is, is going to be the soundtrack for, for a lot of people. Yeah, it's weird. It's like on the last two records, people ask me if I wrote them because of the current climate. I'm like, no, man, it just lined up that way. I'm just, it just happened. So it, it bizarrely fits. And you're right. You do do things that you normally wouldn't do. I've been, I've done all these interviews yesterday. Um, this other podcast came out and I never, we never get on gear podcasts like about guitars. And I was on this Mm. podcast called everyone loves guitar. It's a really good podcast actually. And the host is really good. His name's Craig. Um, you should definitely check it out, but it's not from our world. And so I'd, I'd emailed all these. I mean, our publicist, Vanessa, she gets us a ton of stuff. She's so awesome. But sometimes I'm just like, can I email this person to try to get on this gear podcast? She's like, give it a shot. And it, it, so it, his audience is like, you know how there's several different kinds of guitar men? <laughs> there's like the Joe Bonamasso guys. There's the Steve Vai guys. There's the rock and roll guys. There's the punk guys. And so he doesn't interview many people like me. So it was really awesome to hear his show like the, and be on it. And the, the show before it was like the guitarist from Grand Funk Railroad or something like that. So it's just like so weird. Yeah. So it's like that's happening. And I'm getting in these new weird worlds, which I really like doing. Um, a lot of bands probably wouldn't, but I'm I'm like I'm down. Like I love doing interviews. Um, Good to hear. Yeah, I, <laughs> seriously, it's like I'm also a dad, and then when somebody can you know take time to ask you questions and you get to talk about yourself, I'm like, yeah, man, I'm in. This sounds awesome. <laughs> like because I'm usually you know whatever. Awesome. Um, but. I also had like a, a weird like health scare before this record too. So um, like I collapsed while I was jogging. So I'm trying to figure all that out. And so sorry it, to hear. 
Yeah, thanks. Um, thank you. And it was it was super scary because I thought I had like a stroke or something. But I'm I think like uh, like I they think it's these migraines or I'm I'm doing chiropractic work now, which is totally boring and I shouldn't talk about. But I will say it's given me time to like rest and think mm-hmm. and like when I'm talking to you right now, I'm sitting up with good posture like a normal human. <laughs> Yeah, well, I've just got a new desk for my laptop, yeah. uh, so I'm so I'm looking at eye level, you know, rather I, I, than hunching over. Yeah, I made fun of the people at my work for having those weird robot desks. Yeah, and, and yeah. now they are just <laughs> blasting me because now I have to get a robot desk. I'm like, screw these, oh, no. screw you guys, and screw these robot desks. <laughs> but it all relates to music too, because I was I was really worried, like, what if I collapse on stage, you know? Because I mean, yeah. I run around like a complete jackass, and I, you know. Um, running into people and getting on people's shoulders. And I was really scared that if, can I even do this? You know, you'd freak someone out in the front row. I do all the people look so scared. I feel bad too. Cause <laughs> my, my goal isn't to scare them. It's just, to, I like shows to be like just wild enough or just wild yeah. enough where you're like, Oh boy, what's that? I don't like this. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I love it when you're, when you're in that box and you're like, this would not happen in any other room in yeah. the next, you know, any kind of five mile radius of this. This yeah. is, yeah. this is something special. Yeah. That's, that's really fun when you get that feeling. Yeah. And now that I just sing and I don't have to play guitar anymore, I, it's, it's my job to make it exciting. Like it, when right. people, like when you have some guy up there or a woman, they're like, get up, you know, what's your problem? Like that is not the audience's problem. That's your problem. Like you, you, you get them up. You, you go wild, do something cool. Like it's not their job to be interested in you just because you're standing there. Um, That's your kind of concept is that if you go wild enough, then it will kind of transmit. Yeah. The good analog is, you know, when you're at a show and there's someone next to you in the crowd and they're just like dancing and you're like, Oh, this person is the worst. Like, uh, I got to get away from this person when you're on stage. That person is the best. I love that person. (laughs) Like the total weirdo because they're having a good time and they're starting things up. Um, but it's, it's like, why, why do you want to see me stand there and look and look disappointed and practice, you know, and noodle and play songs you don't want to hear. It's like my, it's my job to, you know, be an ass and try to make things happen. You're not smashing pumpkins, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I, I don't understand why these bands they're playing like their deep cuts or they're taking these long jams. I'm like, that's for band practice. Like, don't, don't, don't <laughs> yeah. do that here. Like play the hits, man. What, a funny example was um, we went to this thing called the bridge school benefit. It's, it's like this thing Neil Young's wife puts on and Metallica was playing and my little daughter, she'd she'd heard seek and destroy um a million times so she's pretty excited you know um Mm. and metallica's playing all these deep hits and then she just starts crying and she she looked at me she goes what are they doing and (laughs) and she was right she's like what are these songs like where data where is seek and destroy And and i was like you know what buddy you are right you're right. Excellent. They're playing Excellent. all these weird covers and they're and they're just not doing it right. Like think about <laughs> just be a fan. I want to hear Secret right. Destroy. I want to hear Enter Sandman. I might not when I'm at home, but here I do. Yeah. I mean, is that something that you do with your set lists as well? You you, you know the ones that people want to hear and you're gonna play them. Is that, yep. is that your vibe? Absolutely. And I know we don't have any hits or anything, but you, that's another thing Fat Mike taught me. He goes, you want to know people like the song? Look at the audience. Are they moving? Are they going? Then you play that song. 
If they're, if right. they're not, you do not play that song. And we do that in the band. We, we actually, the first time we played frail Bray, the, the title track of the new record, mm. we were playing this art show. It was a weird show. And there was a, we'd never played it before. And there was a, a, a drag queen right in the front row because it was all these cool arty people. And, and, and this person was dressed up. And when we hit that riff in the end, this person started dancing like crazy. And I was like, Ooh, okay. This is something. And I watch for those moments and anything that's not with those moments, we get rid of them. And luckily all the guys in the band are on the same page. They're like, forget bloat. Like we're going to play for 31 minutes. We're going to go as hard as you can. I'm going to try to have a stroke on stage and we're going to leave. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm a big fan of that. Bar the stroke thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like, why, why put people through your slow song or something you want to experiment with? Like do that in band practice. Yeah. Jason, thank you so much for coming oh, on. This has been this is great. I mean, when I heard from Vanessa that you name things, I was like, perfect. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. It's a, it's a weird, I have a weird life. I live in these weird compartments, but I really appreciate you interviewing and checking out the record. And thank you so much. No, it sounds great. I mean, like just just finally, how how have you found juggling the work life with the band? Because you know, one can only presume that your responsibility is is more over recent years. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and with the band, actually, you know, I'm a strange person. I do the band in a strange way, um, and uh, so yeah, like I'm I have a professional job, I have a family, I have a you know a home. And I kind of hide and I do rock and roll at night. And so usually it's actually the pandemic's helped a little bit. I'm pretty disciplined with playing every night. And I don't, I don't believe in like the, the ways of, of like, you know, the, the, the right song will hit you at the right time. I'm like, eh, I'm not that good. So I just go in my little office at night and I, I, I put on a horror movie and that sounds weird, but like, I'll put like, uh, like I've been watching Dracula and and the werewolf, I'll put it on on the TV and then I'll just play from like 10 to midnight every night. And I'll just see what happens and I'll record these little bits and I do it every single night. And I know that sounds weird and boring and not inspired, but. No, it makes sense to me because I mean, you know, we're, you know, we're punk rockers. We don't like to think of aesthetics too much, but it yeah. does play into that, especially Dracula, especially vampires, you know, and you say you're into, you know, dark shit and like, that's, that's your vibe. That's what's going to get you going sometimes. Yeah. I like it. And it's like, I just do music in the cracks, but I like it so much that it's not a job to me. It's like a delight. Like this is a delight. I'm about to work eight hours at my job, but now I get to talk to you. It's cool. Um, so it's, it's like, uh, I, you know, I tuck my kid in at night and then I either come here or I go off to a show by myself when you could go to shows and, you know, and then I come back and I'd be regular, normal dad, professional person. And I just keep rock and roll in the shadows, you know? Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I mean, maybe that's where it should be. You know, maybe that's why we love it because I mean, you know, the traditional, you know, rock and roll thing is that it shouldn't have been done. You know, it shouldn't be here. It shouldn't be accepted. Yeah, it's dirty, man. It is. When when I'm out there, it's dirty. And I I just look at like my hands and my nails and my body. And I'm like, damn, I am all dirty. But but I've learned it's kind of made me learn to like being dirty and smelly and 
And that's okay. Those things are all okay. And it's, it's like a nice contrast if I'm in some school, you know, conference and then I'm sleeping on somebody's floor in like Philadelphia, it like, it makes you a human and it's very humbling. Awesome. That's inspiring. Thank you so much, Jason. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for checking out the record. And it was, it was good chatting with you. So that was Jason Hall from Western Addiction. Thank you so much for listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs. As always, if you like it, if you dig it, please share it with your friends. Cheers, here's Cox Barrow. I've been working all day for me, mate, on the side. Running around like a blue ass fly. I've been working, yeah, I've been working all day for me, mate. Every blink of me, I've been on the go. Up and down the ladder like a fiddler's elbow. I've been working, yeah, I've been working all day for me, mate. This is a Mighty Moon Media Podcast. Hey, podcast listener, do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for season nine. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today.